I hope you wore your army green jumpsuit yesterday because it was Vladimir Zelensky Day in Washington, D.C. as the former actor made some of the most extraordinary Nazi references that you hear a man who leads an army with Nazis in it make. You're listening to the Propaganda Report's Drive Time at News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Top story is that it was apparently Vladimir Zelensky Day in D.C. yesterday. For the first time since the war began, old Vladimir, the leader of the resistance, he was able to escape Ukraine. And, you know, we weren't presented with a virtual deep fake of Zelensky. We actually got to see him in the flesh and blood, apparently. And boy, did they roll out the red carpet or perhaps the green carpet for him. I have my green background all for Vladimir Zelensky. I should really drape myself in it because he was wearing what appeared to be like an army green tracksuit while sitting in the White House talking to, to Biden. I wish Biden would have been wearing the exact same outfit. I would have really gotten a kick out of that had Biden chosen to do, to do that, but they didn't want to do that because they wanted to demonstrate that, I, I guess Zelensky just didn't have the time to even change, that, that he had to continue to wear the uniform of the resistance that he's worn for about seven, no, it's 10 months now at this point, right? And, and it didn't stop with that phony little interaction that they were having with that photo op with Biden and Zelensky sitting in the chairs in front of, I can't remember the name of that house. Apparently we had to have another press conference with Biden and Zelensky. So there was a little bit of a, a commentary from the media about what happened during the first Zelensky uh, moment in the white house. And then we had another one where Biden and Zelensky were standing up doing a press conference, taking questions. I guess the difference is they were sitting down the first time. And, and then the second time we got to have our Zelensky experience, they were standing. Just a full Zelensky is what we got. And then after that, more commentary. And then what we got was some weird presentation uh, or interaction with Pelosi and Zelensky in front of the strategically placed Christmas tree in the background. It was, it was just so awkward where they put it, though, because it was like in a hallway. And the tree was not, it's, you're trying to stage this, obviously. They need to get a better set designer because it looked very weird. And Zelensky is a little shorter than Pelosi, it appears. I, I don't know what they were talking about during those moments. The whole operation they did today was about promoting the idea that we need to continue funding Ukraine in this their war against Russia, presenting that to the American people. So the American people put pressure on the new risk that comes in. In January, so I think that that was what this was ultimately for, was his pitch to the American people, and face-to-face, really. And I would have really appreciated it more had, when he walked up to the podium after Pelosi introduced him during round three of Zelensky yesterday, if she just would have laid a uh, a big kiss on his face, like stuck her tongue down his throat, really made out with him, bent him over because he's tinier than her, lifted him up and cradled his tiny little asked just then sat him down on top of the podium and he could grab the microphone there and then Pelosi could walk off I mean Paul wouldn't care it doesn't matter the whole thing was a disgusting display uh, of theater it intended to I, I feel like it was intended to assault insult the American public personally but I I guess they're gonna reaffirm some people's solidarity that they stand with Ukraine in 
I just do not understand people's admiration of this guy. I have to take a step back sometimes because I have friends who I won't see for a little while, then I'll see them, and then the subject will come up, and, and they will truly be inspired by by Zelensky. And, and I don't I don't laugh at them. I, I have to stifle laughing at them because they they don't know. But I'm just like, how do you not? How do you not know that this is a, a, a fraud? This is a spokesperson. How do you take this? He's not brave. He's not serious. He's not fighting any wars. He's not in danger. The guy's been live from a green screen and, and, and who knows where since the beginning of all of this. They even admit that his whole presidential campaign was done on a green screen, not live. He did stand-up comedy bits to, to become elected as president. A lot like Trump, except Trump did live rallies and stuff. Zelensky was on a green screen for most of the time. It was all a production. Like, literally, most people I know who love Zelensky have no idea that the name of his show, Servant of the People, where he played a teacher who improbably became president, is what they named his political party after his show ended. Most people I know who love Zelensky have no idea that the production company and, and the people who worked on the set of that show just became government officials. They have no idea about any of that. They take him seriously. They have no idea that his lead propagandist, his personal Goebbels, is on record saying that they changed his image. They, they manipulated the, the whole aura of him so that he could present this army green front. Uh, I mean, this is, the, this is wardrobe department putting your lead actor in the right costume. And then presenting him in the right circumstances, mostly on a green screen, so to appeal to specific. I mean, it's literally described as how to win the information war. That is literally what the freaking, and I will continue saying literally, what the whole CSIS conversation featuring his own personal Goebbels was about. And you can tell people that, but but it's just like, don't you understand that, that this is a psychological operation? And, and he admits that in his just awful speech that he gave today because they concluded the day of Zelensky with him giving an address. And, and wow, I mean, it gets to the point where I'm almost impressed with the audacity he has to say some of the things that he has. I mean, the, it's clear how stupid they think we are. There's no doubt. There's no doubting how dumb they think that the American people are. I mean, this guy at one point during this addressed to Congress today compares the fight in Ukraine against Russia to the World War II fight against the Nazis. He, he had the audacity to say that. I mean, I laughed out loud when he said that. I, I thought, I was like, that is, that's like a yay level joke right there. I mean, that's like funny stuff, his comparison to that there. And it, most people I, I realized who are into Zelensky, they, they don't, they don't even, they're not even in on the joke. They don't even get it and this is it's clear how dumb they think they are when their statements like that that go unchallenged nobody in the media comments on them i mean if, if the guy the guy who admitted to having nazis in his army the azov battalion who play a, a critical role in their resistance when he compares their fight to the fight against the nazis in world war ii if that doesn't tell you how stupid that he thinks that we are and they think that we are. I, I don't know what does.
because nothing is more insulting than that. It's just like they're just trying to see the craziest stuff they can get away with. This is getting towards some like Andy Kaufman like trolling with this little man that they're parading around in his green tracksuit. He is literally the leader of the Nazis. And everyone knows this. I mean, nobody's going to frame it that way, but it's true. It's true if he's the leader of Ukraine and he's the leader of the Ukrainian army, which the strongest portion of that military are swastika-tattooed Nazis. Vladimir Zelensky is the leader of Nazis, and here he is telling Congress and the American people that their fight against Russia is like the World War II fight against Nazis. It's like it's it's very good, very. It, I mean, high-level trolling, state-sponsored trolling. I mean, American taxpayer dollars are being used to pay for weapons that are being given to swastika tattooed Nazis so that those Nazis can kill people with them. That's a fact. They might as well stamp little swastikas on our tax returns because a portion of it and maybe a little blood stain is going to Nazis so that they can kill with them. It's like a level of brainwashing that's unmatched in human history. I mean, they can tell people and say they can tell them to be outraged because of what a rapper said about Hitler and the Nazis during an obvious pu uh, public relations stunt, a publicity stunt, and, and they'll lose their minds over it. The Anti-Defamation League, and now dare the anti-Semitism. But, but then, if they tell them that it's no big deal that a portion of their paycheck is being used to give money and, and weapons to Nazis, you know, to a rapper trying to get attention, but to literal effing Nazis so that they can better kill people who are not, in fact, Nazis. And that is actually patriotic to, to give their paycheck to the Nazis because democracy, then they'll go, oh, yeah, no, that's, that's okay because democracy, I stand in solidarity with the Nazis. Oh, is everybody in Ukraine a Nazi? That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. That, that's what Snopes would claim. That's how Snopes would debunk that saying well they're not all nazis i'm not saying they're all nazis what i'm saying is that Zelensky has admitted as have others headlines on cnn other works that the key part of the resistance in ukraine is the azov battalion which are admitted swastika tattooed nazis the argument isn't that they're not there the argument is that well, we're fighting just an evil force. We need to cooperate with somebody who does with anybody who will fight against this evil Putin. Even the Nazis. I mean, that that that's the unspoken argument that's happening here. Meanwhile, on, on all other fronts, Nazis are bad. That is, of course, unless, you know, Putin, Trump, then you can use not Trump, who, by the way, they call a Nazi. It's weird. It's little, I mean, if they if Trump's a Nazi. By all means, send him a multi-billion dollar weapons package because that's what we do to Nazis. That production they put on today. Wow. Wow, man. Let's go through it. All right. Let's start with his introduction because we have to see the fanfare. It's like a rock star coming in, you know. Of Ukraine. <laughs> Thank you. 
I'm almost a little surprised that he didn't run in like a football player or basketball player does when they're introduced where he's down low and he's giving everybody the high fives. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that in this introduction here. It just look at everybody's giving as a standing ovation. I'm sure Chuck Schumer has probably jizzed all over the inside of his pants right now. Disgusting. Look at Kamala. Did you see Kamala's face? Who is that person? There he is. Look at that green, uh, green track suit he's wearing. Give me a break. I played you guys those clips from the CSIS conversation where his per personal Goebbels talked about the image shaping, like the whole movie aspect of finding the correct Zelensky the role for him to play, to present to the public, how he had to strip down away from his nice fancy suits that he got used to from being a celebrity and start wearing this rugged outfit. This stuff is, I mean, it's obviously a choice. Everybody knows that. But I, it's just so embarrassing at this point. I mean, he is walking through Congress. Everybody's wearing a suit and tie, and he's wearing a green sweatshirt and some sort of green pants. It's just, it's just such a... It's idiotic. I, I mean, who is impressed by this? I can't. I, just, I would love to hear someone's argument for Zelensky wearing this outfit. I mean, what is the argument for it? It's, it's obviously a symbolic thing. What, what are they? What's he trying to project? He's not fighting in that war. He, I mean, he's not even. He's. I, I don't believe he's ever been in any danger. I, I do not believe that. I tell you what, though, whoever makes those sweatshirts, there's a little image on the front, which kind of looks like a sideways swastika, if you ask me. That company getting a lot of promotion. I'm right here. Those green sweatshirts. This is this guy, man. This is his best role ever. I mean, that's that's what this is to him. I think. I think that he sees himself as like this is his like this is the role, you know, as an actor. You know, that you just you fooled the world. I just, I'm just surprised some of these guys, these men, like Schumer right there, didn't just bend him over like I wish Pelosi would have and just start sucking face with him, shove his tongue down his throat. That, he he could have done that, and nobody would have missed a beat. There probably would have been like a prolonged standing ovation for Chuck Schumer shoving his tongue down Zelensky's throat and making out with him. I would have loved to have seen that. you know. But as you know, Santa doesn't always bring you what you wish. Look how tiny he is. Look at that. Look, look, look. So Kamala's bending over. Like Kamala's like trying to just like suck him off. Like she's trying to get down to it. He's too short. Thank goodness he's not taller, or as Johnson would have been in her mouth because she is so badly wanting to impress him. Because they all want to be actors, you know. They say the whole thing about politicians are ugly actors. Like they they admire the fact that he was an actor and they, they wish they were him. So Kamala. I, you can bet that uh, what's his name? The first gentleman, if he weren't gay, would be a little upset and jealous right now. Look at Pelosi and her weird face. I mean, she's older, so I can't really crack on her too much, but she, her face looks strange sometimes, man. <laughs> what I wanted to see is I wanted to see the camera focus on the Republicans or there's a handful of people in Congress who have not been supporting this, but it's a very small minority of people. E even most Republicans support it. But I want to see what Rand Paul's doing right now. You know, I, I, I would not be able to clap for this man. I just couldn't do it. 
Okay, so he's standing up there. He just did a pose at the, the podium. He did what a performer does when they get a standing ovation. Performers do a thing where you, you take it in and then you do a bow and whatnot. Zelensky's doing that right now as though he just did the performance of his life on a stage play on Broadway and he's soaking in the crowd's adoration of him. You have to be thick, man, to be standing up and, and giving this guy a round of applause without question. <laughs> this is such a joke, man. Look at Schumer. Schumer. Schumer looks like he just wants to rip his own pants down and start just going at it. He's so excited. All right, so now I have to, I'm going to go back, and I want to see what time this applaud started because I want to see how long of a standing ovation he's getting. This is a very extended standing ovation. Starts when he gets in. They're all, they all stand up as soon as he comes in. Of Ukraine. Okay, so this is, this is the whole time. So we're, we're at a two-minute standing ovation. Pelosi's trying to bang the gavel, and they won't listen because they just want to cheer this hero. You talk about being brave in politics. It's really strange that we're at a point in American history where it, it would actually be considered brave to not rush up onto the stage and just suck Vladimir Zelensky off because that's what everybody is doing in this room right now, one after the other. Members of Congress. I think it's too much. I think it is. Members of Congress. I think it's too much. I have the high privilege and the distinct honor of presenting to you his Excellency Volodymyr Zelensky, President of the Ukraine. Look at Carlos, he's so excited. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's too much for me. No, it's not. It's not. It's not too much for him. All you have to do is watch the way he soaked that applause in to know he loved every second of that. Not too much for him. <laughs> And they're, la they're, they're laughing at him. Sorry. Oh, great. Listen to them laugh at that because they know he's full of it. That, thank you. It's too much for me. <laughs> All this for our great people. Thank you so much. Dear Americans, <laughs> in all states, cities, and communities, all those who value freedom and justice, who cherish it is strongly as we Ukrainians, you know. So he's reading from a script down on the podium. Now, that's a lot of people do that. That's just it, it makes people be more at ease. And since this is a second language, that can be kind of, you know, you can justify that. He did speak with Pelosi the entire time and Biden the whole time uh, in English earlier. He can speak English. Now we know that a lot of times when he spoke virtually, I always thought that was kind of strange since he could speak English. I thought that there was other reasons they were doing that. Obviously, he's not going to have a translator here. I'm just pointing that out. Our cities in each and every family, I hope my words of respect and gratitude resonate in each American heart. Madam Vice President, I thank you for your efforts in helping Ukraine. Madam Speaker, you bravely visited Ukraine during the full-fledged war. Thank you very much. So I thought that was an interesting moment. 
Because are we not, are they not still in a full-fledged war? From what I understand, we're going to have to continue funding them for potentially not just months, but years. I mean, this is like the lead into World War III, in my opinion. Well, uh, um, but like the fact that they talk about it as a full-fledged war, maybe it's cooling down because it's winter, because they say, but the the Goebbels for him during that CSI, CSIS conversation, the whole premise of that discussion was winning the war uh, on the information war. And she, she was the lead person there. And she, she was there to say, here's how we won the information war against Russia. And she spoke about it as though it were in the past, as though it were over. And I thought about that because of something he says here in a minute. It, he basically reframes this as an information war. Great honor. You'll see what I mean. Thank you. Great privilege to be here. Great privilege to be here. Dear members of the Congress, representatives of both parties, who also visited Kiev, esteemed congressmen and senators from both parties who will visit Ukraine, I'm sure, in the future, so you see what he's doing here. He's leading. This is the, the, the speech tactic, like NLP tactic, I think they call it. But he, he's projecting into the future because the goal here is to speak to both parties. And this is something that was discussed during the, the Davos panels back in May. The one that I, I play a lot of clips from, uh, a view from Capitol Hill, where they had all the people from Congress. I think it was some senators and some House of Representatives people, and they put them all on record saying, will you, even though there are a few America first Republicans who are in office and that some might even win, will you guarantee us that there will be a bipartisan effort to sending money to Ukraine? So he's making sure to, to speak to both parties on the left and right so we know. I have both you in sights because they have created this third fractured party, which is the Trumpian MAGA Republican Party. Now, those are the ones that aren't being spoken to here. And if that makes sense, the, he's, he's acknowledging the bipartisan, the illusion of this bipartisan effort. Dear representatives of diaspora. What, what is diaspora? I, I heard that earlier. I'm not sure what that was. And he looked up like they were there. I'm not sure what he's referring to with diaspora. Maybe you guys know more about that than I do. I'm thinking maybe he's looking because I think that the camera showed a group of Jewish people sitting up in the crowd. And I feel like that's who he's talking about and looking at. I could be wrong on that, but that would certainly be another ironic thing about this speech that this lead, literal leader of the Nazis given a nod over to the diaspora present in this chamber and spread across the country, dear journalists. It's a great honor for me to be at the U.S. Congress and speak to you and all Americans. Against, against all odds and doom and gloom scenarios, Ukraine didn't fall. Ukraine is alive and kicking. I don't believe Putin ever said that he wanted the total annihilation of Ukraine. Um, the, w what is implied is that that is what he really wanted, even though he said otherwise. But that's not what he said. And it gives me good reason to share with you our first 
first joint victory. We defeated Russia. Well, did you see how he kind of jacked himself up there for that little moment there? In the battle for minds of the world. Okay, so the, I'm going to take that back because... So he, he's emphasizing himself, probably most likely because he's about to get to the meat of the matter here. With you, our first. You want to share with you, our first. Paul, Ukraine is alive and kicking. And it gives me good reason to share with you our first, first joint victory. We defeated Russia in the battle for minds of the world. They defeated Russia in the battle for minds of the world. The information war, which is exactly what his Goebbels said during the CSIS. We defeated Russia in the information war. Here are the lessons moving forward broadly. And it's interesting that they are framing it that way, that they've already won that portion of the war. We have no fear. Nor should anyone in the world have it. Ukraine's gained this victory, and it gives us courage, which inspires the entire world. And that's why you have succeeded in uniting the global community. I'm going to take that back. I'll stop interrupting so much, because this stuff is important to hear, and then we'll talk about it. Gained this victory, and it gives us Nor should anyone... In the world have it. Ukraine's gained this victory and it gives us courage which inspires the entire world. Americans gained this victory and that's why you have succeeded in uniting the global community to protect freedom and international That's just, I feel like it's important to point this out. That that's the same appeals that got people to support World War One is to protect democracy around the world, freedom around the world. It's the same appeals. Europeans gained this victory, and that's why Europe is now stronger and more independent than ever. The Russian tyranny. It's funny. It sounds like he said independent than never. He said ever, but that that I found that to be very strange. Are they more independent than ever? It seems like. They're not. It seems like it's more globally controlled than ever, is what it seems like to me. Has lost control over us. All right, back that up. And international law. Europeans gained this victory. And that's why Europe is now stronger and more independent than ever. The Russian tyranny has lost control over us. Well, so what is that? So they just feel, they just have to stand up. They didn't start to stand up on that one. There was not an understood standing ovation until a couple people in the front row led it, and then everybody else had to go along with it. This is the power of the crowd. It really is. It's extraordinary what you can get people to do if you have enough people agreeing to do it with you. Like at a baseball game, if everybody in the stadium is doing the wave, and the wave comes to your section and everybody's doing it, it is physically hard. Hard, like, like physio physiologically hard for you not to also do the wave. 
It, it just, we, we are so swept up in it that even if we don't want to, it's like, oh, well, I'll throw my hand up anyway. And that is kind of uh, what, what you can accomplish here. If you are in a crowd uh, at a show or something, this is a, something that we tested out and played with a few times where if there's an audience that doesn't feel, if it's not a big enough audience and they don't feel comfortable being the only ones laughing at uh, somebody who they think is funny. If you go sit in the back of a comedy club with a couple of your friends and you just start laughing at the joke, what will happen is the entire room will then relax and start laughing with you. And then if everybody's laughing, those who aren't will feel like they should be laughing. Even if, you know, even if they're like, see how powerful the crowd and that energy can overwhelm the individual. And that is just such a, it's such a fascinating thing to read about the studies and to even just think about and to witness in real time. Next time you're in a situation like that, where it's a baseball game or wherever, and everybody's doing something collectively, try not to do, even if you want to join in and do it, because a lot of times it's fun to do it. But if you just try not to just for a minute and just feel the anxiety that and it will never influence our minds again. Yet, we have to do whatever it takes to ensure that countries of the Global South also gain such victory. I know one more. I think I'm going to take that back. What did he say? That, that what of the Global South? Countries of the Global South. Okay. Also gain such victory. I know one more, I think, very important thing. The Russians will stand a chance to be free only when they defeat the Kremlin in their minds. Information war. Again, information war. Russia, you can have a reprieve if you get it in your mind that Russia is not going to be the type of country Putin pretends to want it to be or wants it to be. I, I don't know. You have, to, you have to become the NATO mindset. You have to fall under the control of our programming, and then you will be okay. That, to me, is what was just said there. <laughs> fall in line with the crowd, with a collective, and you will be okay. Yet, the battle continues, and we have to defeat the Kremlin on the battlefield. Yes, this battle is not only for the territory, for this or another part of Europe. The battle is not only for life, freedom and security of Ukrainians or any other nation which Russia attempts to conquer. This struggle will define in what world our children and grandchildren will live and then their children and grandchildren. It I'm pretty sure that Russia is not trying to take over the world right now. It will define whether it will be a democracy of Ukrainians. And take, take that back. Democracy of Ukrainians. And in what world our children and grandchildren will live and then their children and grandchildren. It will define whether it will be a democracy of Ukrainians and for Americans for all. This uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to take that all the way back. I want to get that whole sin to see exactly what he's saying here. He, he's he's saying these things in such a performative way. It's like a it's like a cold read almost. Like you read it one time, a script on the way over, and now he's doing a, a cold read of it with a really intense emotion. And I want to make sure that I get 
So I feel like, so he talked about the information war and now he's saying, but we must beat Russia on the battlefield too. So the battlefield also is going to define the world that our children and grandchildren live in. I, I believe that is what he is saying here, but correct me if I'm wrong. And, and on Twitter, in the chats, where, wherever. The Kremlin on the battlefield. This battle. Sorry. And it will never influence our minds again. Yet, we have to do whatever it takes to ensure that countries of the global south also gain such victory. I know one more, I think, very important thing. The Russians will stand a chance to be free only when they defeat the Kremlin in their minds. Yet, the battle continues, and we have to defeat the Kremlin on the battlefield. Yes, this battle is not only for the territory, for this or another part of Europe. The battle is not only for life, freedom, and security of Ukrainians or any other nation which Russia attempts to conquer. This struggle will define in what world our children and grandchildren will live and then their children and grandchildren. It will define whether it will be a democracy of Ukrainians and for Americans for all. This battle cannot be frozen or postponed. Uh, I'm gonna stop there. The, the battle on the, on the battlefield for Ukrainians, for Americans, he, he likes to conflate those two together to make it seem as it's one and the same, like it's not just their battle, it's the battle for democracy. Yeah, yeah, we, we get all that. But the physical battle that Russia must be defeated. So uh, later on, I, I believe, actually, I don't know if it happens in this speech or if it was earlier in the day of Zelensky where they talked about it, about how he is willing to negotiate a peace, but Ukraine is not or Russia is not. And it doesn't sound like that here, though. To me, it sounds like what he's saying here is that there can only be peace once Putin and the Kremlin is defeated the battlefield. And only then. So once he's taken down, that, that seems like what he's saying to me. D for democracy to win, the Kremlin and Putin must come down. And the Russian people must then be assimilated into the Borg. Then they will be free. It cannot be ignored, hoping that the ocean or something else will provide a protection. Take that back for context. So he, he's speaking to the American people right now. And uh, from what I call recall watching this earlier, it's, you know, basically Ukraine is the front line of this. And even though you're an ocean away, um, it could very well leak over here if you don't support us. And he's leading up to giving them weapons and stuff like that. For Americans, for all. This battle cannot be frozen or postponed. It cannot be ignored, hoping that the ocean or something else will provide a protection from the United States to China, from Europe to Latin America. It's funny that he had to take a pause and look down before he said from the United States to China. <laughs> and from Africa to Australia, the world is too interconnected and interdependent to allow someone to stay aside and at the same time to feel safe 
when such a battle continues. Uh, you're with us or against us, join the war. I mean, this is classic propaganda. And that idea about the interconnected world requires us to be a part of these battles is, is like right out of Klaus Schwab's mouth. It's Our great reset stuff. Our two nations are allies in this battle. And next, next year will be a turning point. And such a battle continues. Our two nations are allies in this battle. And next year will be a turning point. I know it. The point when Ukrainian courage and American resolve must guarantee the future of our common freedom. The freedom of people who stand for their values. <laughs> when Ukrainian are allies in this battle. And next year will be a turning point. <laughs> I know it, the point when Ukrainian courage and American resolve must guarantee the future of our common freedom, the freedom of people who stand for their values. Whose values? Who, whose values? I hate it when they do that. I know it's a propaganda tactic, but I hate it when they do that. They say the word values. They never define it. It's a glittering generality. They, they leave it vague so that they can appeal and to different groups and bring people in because what happens when you say values is people project their own values into the meaning of that word, not considering that the people saying it have very different meanings and that everybody else pro are projecting their own individual values into it. I can tell you this. I personally don't share the values uh, of a guy who is the leader of Nazis. I don't. I, I do not share those values. But the assumption here is that this dude, who admittedly has Nazis in his army, the Azov Battalion, a critical part of their army, swastika tattooed MFers, that we all share his values. And nobody ever asks that question. Of course, these idiots in Congress aren't going to do it because th they don't have a reason to. They don't get paid to freaking question this narrative. They, they just try and get elected is what they do. And then they do whatever they all oh, suck off Zelensky whenever they need to. But th this comes up in conversation with people and they, people throw around the term values and whatnot. And just very rarely when you see these conversations on TV or on YouTube, even nobody ever stops and says, Hey, define that, define what you mean. Because if people were put on the spot, to define what they mean by values, you know what would happen is the whole intersectionality uh, uh, facade would crumble. Is a, the LGBTQI whatever the whole facade that everybody underneath that umbrella is the exact same would crumble because people don't share the same values. They just try and make you think that that they share the same ones as you with projection and what. It's just I understand how glittering generalities work. I mean, it's it's one of the most well-studied propaganda tactics in human history. You guys understand it too. It still pisses me off. It's just, they, they, they just try, just based on emotion purely and the collective energy of clapping and celebrating this value as this person is fighting against Russia, that people won't stop and say, hey, wait a minute, what do they actually mean by that shit? If everybody did that, then everybody would start opening their eyes more. Oh, a standing ovation for that bullshit.
Yeah, there you go. There's uh ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Americans. Americans. Yesterday before coming here to Washington DC, I was at the front line. It's an interesting pause there after coming. Just to just to point that out. You know what? Bachmut. All right, I'm you sorry. I, I keep interrupting. I'm a, I'm a jerk. I'm sorry. I just can't. I have to get more self discipline. So Bachman is he is he saying basement here? So listen to the sense again. He Ladies and gentlemen, Americans. Yesterday, before coming here to Washington D.C., I was at the front line. You know what, Bachmut? He he's presenting himself as, as being at the front line of a war right now. Okay. Now think about that, what that means for people who've actually been at the front line of a war. In our stronghold in the east of Ukraine, in the Donbass, the Russian military and missionaries have been attacking Bakhmut nonstop since May. They have been attacking it day and night, but Bakhmut stands. <laughs> Last year, Last year, 70,000 people lived there in Bakhmut, in this city, and now only few civilians stay. Every inch of that land is soaked in blood. Roaring guns sound every hour. Trenches in the Donbass change hands several times a day in fierce combat and even hand fighting. But the Ukrainian Donbass stands. Okay, so that's interesting. What does he mean by the Ukrainian Donbass? That seems like it's fractured to me. And it seems like what he was talking about a moment ago was Bakhmut, which is B-A-K-H-M-U-T, which is a city in Ukraine. And I'm not sure what's going on there. Well, standing ovation. We don't know what you're talking about, but we love your little green tracksuit, so we're going to stand anyway. Russians, Russians. Russians use everything, everything they have against Bakhmut and other our beautiful cities. The occupiers have a significant advantage in artillery. They have an advantage in ammunition. They have much more missiles and planes than we ever had as it's true but our defense forces stand of course yeah right let's go ahead go ahead and ask us for more weapons look at that idiot with a mask in the middle of that. and we and and we all are proud of them the russians tactic is primitive they burn down and destroy everything they see they sent thugs to the front lines. They sent convicts to the war. Wait, they, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. They sent convicts to the war? What, what do they send to the front line? They send thugs to the front line. They send convicts to war. Says the leader of Nazis. Wow. They sent convicts to the war. They threw everything against us similar the other well, I, so I, if you walked up to like a progressive on the street and you said, hey, would you prefer to fight alongside a convict who is not a Nazi or a swastika tattooed Nazi? Which one would you be more comfortable supporting and fighting alongside of? What do you think the answer would be? Pr 
probably the convict. These in convicts to war. Which the Nazis with swastika tattoos to war. The tyranny, which is in the battle of the Balch. Balch. Through everything it had against the free world, just like the brave American soldiers which held their lines and fought back Hitler's forces during the Christmas of 1944. Brave Does he, Ukraine. <laughs> Does he laugh when he said that? Almost, I feel like he almost laughed. I mean, he should laugh. This is such a joke. It's the leader of the Nazis fighting, talking about... This is the comparison I was talking about. Let's really take this one in here. The bundle of the bulge. What's, what's in Chuck Schumer's pants when I walk in room? Is primitive. They burn down and destroy everything they see. They send thugs to the prize. They send convicts to the war. They threw everything against us, similar to the other tyranny, which is in the battle of the bulge. Threw everything it had against the free world, just like the brave American soldiers, which held their lines and fought back Hitler's forces during the Christmas of 1944, oh, mm, the Christmas brave time. Ukrainian soldiers are doing the same to Putin's forces this Christmas. Brave Ukrainian soldiers, some of which are Nazis, the most vital portion of which are Nazis, are doing the same against Putin this Christmas. You fought the Nazis, our Nazis fight Putin. Christmas! It's There's a clap, everybody clap. What a bunch of frauds. Ukraine. Ukraine holds. It. They all know this. Everyone in that room knows that there are Nazis that are the main force of his army. They know this. And they sat there and applauded that. It's lines and will never surrender. Stand up. Everybody stand up. Oh, God. The Nazis will never surrender. Nazis will fight till the end. So, so here is the front line. The tyranny, which has no lack of cruelty against the lives of free people. Of course. And your support is crucial. Here it is. Here's Not call to action. Not just to stand in such fight, but to get to the turning point to win on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. We have artillery. Yes. Thank you. We have it. Is it enough? Honestly, not. The, not, the Nazis, thank you. Oh, look, it's a joke. Is it enough? Not really. Everybody laughs. Not really. Sorry. To win on the battlefield. We have artillery. Yes. Thank you. We have it. Is it enough? Honestly, not really. <laughs> to ensure Bakhmut is not just a stronghold that holds back the Russian army, but for the Russian army to completely pull out, more cannons and shells are needed. If so, just like the Battle of Saratoga, the fight for Bakhmut will change the story of our war for independence and for freedom. Against our cities, it will let Ukrainian patriots work to the full to defend our freedom. When what, Russia what did he say? Cannot what was that? Work to the full to defend. If your 
patriots stop the Russian terror against our cities, it will let Ukrainian patriots work to the full to defend our freedom. So I don't think that it's interesting because the people in the room, that's why they're hesitating clapping because they're not sure what he's saying. And then they're being signaled that they're supposed to clap. If our, our patriots stop the, the, the Russians, if your patriots stop the Russian terror against our cities, it will let the Ukrainian patriots stop. Um, then fight. What, what does that mean? So I guess he's saying, uh, how do we stop it? We give them weapons. Is, is that what he's insinuating here? I think he goes on to talk about. I think he clarifies a little bit here, but it's interesting to see that they're clapping anyway, even though they clearly don't know what he's talking about. To defend our freedom. Yeah, I think, yeah. You see Pelosi, she's like, yeah, you're supposed to clap now. When Russia, when Russia cannot reach our cities, but it's artillery, it tries to destroy them with missile attacks. More than that, Russia found an ally in this, in this genocidal policy. Iran. Iranian de deadly drones sent to Russia in hundreds and hundreds became a threat to our critical infrastructure. That is how one terrorist has fathered. It is just a matter of time when they will strike against your other allies. If we do not stop them now, we must do it. We must do it. I feel like he's wavering with this performance here. Look at him. I don't think he's happy with himself. He's trying to work his way back into it. I believe, I believe there should be no taboos between us in our alliance. Ukraine never asked the American soldiers to fight on our land instead of us. Mm. I assure you that Ukrainian soldiers can perfectly operate American tanks. Right, so we don't have to send our soldiers there because they can perfectly operate American tanks. And themselves. Yeah, great. Standing ovation. Yeah, right. Stand, stand up. Everybody stand up. The Nazis can operate the planes and tanks themselves. Just give the Nazis the planes and tanks. They know how to do it. Financial financial assistance is also critically important. And I would like to thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Both financial packages you have already provided Both? us with and the ones Both? you may be willing to decide on. Your money is not charity. It's investment in the global security and democracy that we handle in the most responsible way. It's American taxpayer dollars funding uh, the shipment of weapons to Nazis. Not all of the Ukrainians are Nazis. They're a critical part of the army. We're paying for the weapons that they're getting. That's what the money that we're giving them is. So It's not a gift. He's right. It's, it's Nazi money. <laughs> Stand up. Platform. Give a standing ovation for that. There's a couple of people. Look at Bobit sitting down. That's good. At least there's a couple sitting down. I don't really Russia, like them either. Russia could stop its aggression, really, if it wanted to. But you can speed up our victory. I know it. And it, okay. and it will prove to any potential aggressor that no one can succeed in breaking national borders. No one committing 
atrocities and reigning over people against their will. It would be naive to wait for steps towards peace from Russia, which being a terrorist state. It enjoys it. Russians are still <laughs> poisoned by the Kremlin. The restoration of international legal order is our joint task. We need peace. Yes, Ukraine has already offered proposals, which I just discussed with President Biden, our peace formula, 10 points which should and must be implemented for our joint security, guaranteed for decades ahead. He said earlier that it can't have peace until the Kremlin goes down. That's not saying that Russia isn't offering peace. It's saying that the only only peace they'll accept is for the person who's fighting to just be demolished. That That's... So it's some really Orwellian type of language that they're using there. And which can be held. I'm glad to stress that President Biden supported our peace um, initiative today. Sure Each of you, ladies and gentlemen, can assist in the implementation to ensure that American's leadership remains solid, bicameral, and bipartisan. Thank you. It is in your power really, to help us bring to justice everyone who started this unprovoked and criminal war. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let terrorists... He doesn't like being interrupted this much, it looks like. Let's do it. Let terrorist state be held responsible for its terror and aggression and compensate you saw that, right? You saw how frustrated he was because he was like in the moment and he got his uh, lines interrupted by the standing ovation. Let the terrorists be held responsible for its terror and aggression and compensation. So they've been pushing to get uh, us to say that Russia is a terrorist state. So that so he's just speaking of them as that. All losses done by this war. Let the world see that the United States are here. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Americans, in two days, we will celebrate Christmas. Did you say two days, three days? Maybe candlelit. Oh. Not because it's more romantic, no, but because there will not be, will be no electricity. Mm -hmm. Millions won't have neither heating nor running water. All of these will be the result of Russian missile and drone attacks on our energy infrastructure. But we do not complain. We do not judge and compare whose life is easier. Your well-being is the product of your national security. The result of your struggle, dependence, and your many victories. We, Ukrainians, will also go through our war of independence and freedom with dignity and success. <laughs> we'll celebrate Christmas. Celebrate Christmas, and even if there is no electricity, the Nazi Christmas. Of our faith in ourselves will not be put out. 
If Russian, if Russian missiles attack us, we'll do our best to protect ourselves. If they attack us with Iranian drones, and our people will have to go to bomb shelters on Christmas Eve, Ukrainians will still sit down at the holiday table and cheer up each other. And we don't, don't have to know every, everyone's wish, as we know that all of us, millions of Ukrainians, wish the same victory. Only victory. Another undefined term. All right, we're going to stop right there. And what we're going to do is we're going to continue deconstructing Zelensky's speech in the DMB XR, which is the subscriber-only portion of the show. And if you want to get access to that portion of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there. It's how I fund the show and how I'm able to keep it going. And what you will get is along with the subscriber-only portion of the show is you will get this show, the DMB, the Drive Time News Blast. You'll get an ad for you. Take out the ads for subscribers. I put it together with the subscriber-only portion of the show, and it goes into one private RSS feed that you get through Patreon that you can pop into just about any podcast app that you listen to your podcast on. So that's what we're going to do. And I appreciate you guys listening and thank you guys for your support and I hope everybody's having a fantastic holiday season and we will talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.